Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to DTNS Labs Games. This is the part of DTNS Labs where we get a few consoles together on the desk and a gaming PC, maybe, and we check out what's cool in the gaming world and gaming industry. We're going to be talking about a few game recommendations for the Steam sales towards the end of the episode. But before that, we're going to tell you what we take away from E3 a few weeks after it's come and gone. Um, talk about the PlayStation crossplay scandal that's shaking the industry and uh, what are our battle passes and why everyone wants them and uh, i'm patrick beja and we are joined as always by scott johnson how's it going scott hello happy to be here going well uh i feel like all gaming news now is something connected to battle royale games of some kind or another. Like, it's all connected somehow. doesn't matter how weird your, your news is. You, you can trace it back with three or four dots to something to do with Fortnite or Battle Royale in general. And uh, Sony is not immune. Uh, that's you know I recorded the French version of my gaming show Le Rendez-vous Jeu just earlier today and literally the title of the episode is Fortnite is everywhere it's like every <laughs> piece of news we we discussed was connected to Fortnite it's quite incredible how big the game has gotten um, yeah especially, especially a game that when it was announced back in like 2011 uh, it was kind of just a Minecraft thing. Uh, at least it seemed like it at the time, and it was like, well, you'll you'll build stuff during the day and then defend yourself at night, and nobody got too excited about it. And then for years and years and years, it languished as this thing is like, is that still being made? Are they working on that? What is that? <laughs> like, what's the deal? Along comes PUBG, and then these guys pivot, and then the entire world changes. It's yeah. crazy to me that Fortnite has become, it went from this complete obscurity, weird, epic pet project to the most... Uh, the the biggest video game currently happening. It's well, insane. possibly possibly even more. But you know, PUBG is not. We're, we we're kind of we've lost the focus on PUBG, uh, player knowns battleground because Fortnite copying it has surpa- surpassed it in mind share. But uh, uh, PUBG Corp announced that they have sold fifty million copies of their game. Fifty million in what a year and a half. This is 
insane. Um, and the other thing is they have 400 million players total, so probably uh, 350 million on mobile, which is nothing to scoff at either. So that's the entire the entire uh, population of the United States of America. Exactly. Right there. Everyone's yeah, playing Fortnite or PUBG <laughs> or both. But we'll get to that. Hey, before we do, before we do, uh, E3, what, uh, you know, it was a few weeks ago. It's, as I said, it's come and gone. What are the one or two things that you take away from E3 now that we've had time to sleep on it and sit on it a little bit? Um, That's funny you should ask because I have been thinking about this. So this this is my broad takeaway. Uh, games I'm most interested in in the short term, like in the next year and a half, maybe two years, Sony. Uh, platform I'm most interested in long haul, Xbox. Really? Uh, Why is that? Uh, you know, the more I reflected on that conference, the more I'm convinced that they... Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. They're doing they're they're doing the early work on a long on a long haul. Um, they, so they announced they have purchased a number of studios to make them first party because they now understand that exclusives are what is going to be selling consoles. And they hinted at the fact that they're working on the next generation of consoles. They didn't hint, they said. Uh, but we've got leaks that kind of wonder what kind of form that will take. Maybe it's going to be multiple devices, what kind of devices. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. Yeah, it feels like it feels like I, I I drove past some construction and went, "Ooh, what's going on over there?" And then mm-hmm. you keep an eye on it because it's going to be something cool one day. So you watch it every day and you kind of keep your eye on it. I feel like they're hungry for that. Um, that's what being you know pushed to uh, a subservient uh, space in a generation does to you. Sony's been there. 
they're back to being cocky number one for various reasons. We'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, they that makes the other guys very hungry and willing to to do interesting things, and so the cycle begins anew. So I I don't know. I just I have I have an interesting, or I'm very interested in the future of Xbox given what they showed at the time of the conference. I was just like, man, all right, well, whatever. But if you're looking at the long the long view, I think I think Microsoft was interesting. Yeah, um, I, I have to agree. I kind of have the same takeaways. Certainly uh, for this generation, for the next couple of years, the Sony exclusives are the ones that have me captivated the most. I mean, uh, the game we talked about on DTNS r- around E3, uh, The Last of Us Part Two, seems really breathtaking in many different ways not all of them good because of the violence maybe um and ghost of tsushima was very impressive i mean they have a number of uh of of really cool exclusives but yeah microsoft seems like they're getting their act together finally and that can only mean good things for everyone so i I agree it just just feels forward thinking and it feels like they're putting in the homework and that matters to me Mm. i i I guess i just appreciate that sort of approach and it feels very preparatory to something bigger so i'm excited about that like i say there are games in the short term that sony's got me hooked uh for for sure um and and why not they're in a position to do that uh the switch if i was a bigger smash fan i would probably be over the moon uh, excited about switch this year but uh mostly though as i got further and further away from their video conference thing i realized man they just didn't they didn't have jack like that was really weird uh, to to be you know second year of this of this device and not have m- bigger deals to show. So well, the just, thing is, uh, Nintendo uh, doesn't really care about E three. You know, they they have their Nintendo Directs that have become an, an, an institution, and they wanted to go big on Super Smash Bros. Now, Bros. Bros. Brothers uh, well. <laughs> this time, but they're going to be talking about other things at any point and people are going to be reporting on them. So Nintendo, especially many companies, but Nintendo especially is one that doesn't really need E3 to make the news. Uh, but yeah, yeah, certainly it was kind of lackluster if you're not a big fan of, of Smash. So Yeah, we'll um, see. I have to add Cyberpunk 2077, which was a big breakout uh, uh, hit at the conference. Everyone was excited about it, and people got to actually play it. And uh, the game is very early still, but it looked like something interesting. So that is also something to keep your eye on. That looks extra special. I would just say this real quick. I would lump that into the category that I would put um, Red Dead Redemption or really anything Rockstar does. That's like transcends the rest of the business of video games and just says, okay, yeah, we can get all mired up in what's happening with platforms and, 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 you know, exclusives and all this other stuff. But there are these tentpole things that happen once in a while in the industry that transcend platform. Who cares which one you get it on? They are like pinnacles of gaming and no one can wait. And that's one of those. I am so excited about that game. I can barely stand it. And it makes me, when I think about it, I forget about who cares where I'm playing it. I just need to freaking play it. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, some people do care when you play some games. And uh, Sony especially doesn't want you to be playing with your friends because they hate gamers, Uh, especially on Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite was released on the Switch during E3. And shortly after, people realized that uh, if you have linked 
connect your Fortnite account to your PlayStation account in the past, then you cannot link it to your Switch console, uh, meaning that your account, your Fortnite account, is useless if you want to play on the Switch. They actually have a message, uh, Epic, the developer of Fortnite, put up a message within the game on Switch saying... You have linked your account somewhere else. There is nothing we can do about this. Don't contact us. The only thing you can do is create another account to play on the Switch, which, of course, is not going over well. I think people were not too miffed about it before because it was really a a battle between Sony and Microsoft, between the PlayStation and the Xbox. And people kind of have to choose their camp. It's happened before. Uh, If you want to play something like Destiny or any other game, really, you you kind of choose the console you have and that's it. You're not going to be playing with people who have the other console. People had kind of accepted it. But with Fortnite, which is the biggest game in the world right now, and uh, I think the habit that we've gotten into, which is basically not caring about the device, but, you know, the Netflixification of everything and YouTube and everything, you just get the service and use it on whatever device you happen to be using. Fortnite is available on every type of device you can think of. And with the popularity, of course, it was a recipe for making Sony realize that the world has changed and the adamant... uh, how do you say it, like a pig-headed attitude of we won't enable you to use this on our console or of cross-playing on on our system is not going over well. And we've seen uh, people like uh, uh, general uh, wide, how do you call it, widespread media, the general media talk about it. You have athletes doing the Fortnite dances on the fields and, and, and complaining about this. So it's, it's a big PR problem for Sony, and they're not handling it well. No, <clears throat> they're handling it very poorly. Um, but like you said, this is like a thing that's always sort of existed with them. It's just when you have something this big and this noteworthy and, and the kind of game that, that makes the press everywhere, not just gaming press. People talk about Fortnite in the Wall Street Journal. People talk about it on, you know, morning network news shows. Like, it's Fortnite is a legit giant story in itself, and Sony can't avoid it. Like, they just can't do the, what's normal here. It's the normal leadership position thing to do, and mark my words, if, if Microsoft was in this generational position right now, they'd be doing the same thing. I'm 100% of course, of course. sure of this. Because that's what you do when you're in the leadership position. But I think it's bad business. I understand they want to keep people in there. They want people making those transactions through their system so that they get their cut from it in the same way that you know Apple and others do. But their one thing they're not letting up on is the thing that Apple does let you do, which is you know if you've got an app, you've made it, and you want 100% of your profits and don't want to give 30% to Apple, you have people go out to a browser, purchase the thing, and now the app has it. This is well, not to a be thing. fair, th- their initial reaction was, well, you can play with people on PC and on iOS and on, you know, and with the million, dozens of millions of players on, on PlayStation 4, so you can do it on other platforms, just not the other platforms from gaming console manufacturers, which, yeah, kind of comes back to what, what you were saying. I think it's also especially... uh 
frustrating for, for gamers because Sony, this generation, has based their entire corporate messaging around the console on this is for the players. Uh, we, of course, remember from the launch of the um, Xbox One with the, that whole other, uh, the, the whole other debacle that that was, Sony jumping on the opportunity to ridicule Microsoft by doing that video with two of their execs saying, well, they have DRM on the other platform, but with our console, if you want to, share, to, to uh, lend a game to your friend, you just hand them over the disc. And they had uh, this instructional video where it was, here's how you lend a game on our console. Shoop, you give the, gist, the, yeah. the disc to your friend. Which, yeah. And then they, they made their whole corporate, as I said, corporate messaging. They made it, this is for the players. So when they come out and do something so anti-consumer, it stings, especially, you know, strongly. Yeah, but I would also just say, I mean, I, this doesn't excuse it. Um, but I've seen enough console cycles since I've really been paying attention to them back in the NES Master System days, all through the Genesis Super Nintendo, on and on and on, all the way forward. Every cycle does this, and it drives me a little batty because every time leader from previous generation gets cocky, uh, or leader in current generation gets cocky and does stuff like this, giving the others opportunity to gain ground, and they usually do. Right. Um, Last last uh, generation, it was Sony put in the back seat for a bit. They kind of <clears throat> equaled things out in the end of that cycle. But by the time the new one could roll around, Sony could take this very benevolent position of, you know, customers first, and we know yeah. what gamers want. And and Microsoft's out of the loop and <clears throat> doesn't understand what you need or want. And you know they could kind of take that position. And now they're just looping back again. And I hate it. It's just like watching. You know how you watch a. I don't know. You watch. It's like kids, actually. It's like you watch a kid and you go, well, he's a teenager now. Uh, I kind of know how, well, how this is going to go. And it goes the way you think it's going to go because <laughs> they all have to kind of go through it. But it's, it's like, you know, console cycles are the same. They're as predictable as anything. And here we go again down this weird road. And all I can think about is in the next six, seven, eight years, it'll be whoever else's turn. If Sony wins the next one, they'll do it again. If Microsoft wins the next one, they'll do it again. They just always do this. And I don't know if there's a way to break that or whatever, but it is, it is, it looks very bad. And the best they can come up with is, well, we're gonna, we're looking to see what we can do. You know, there's options, there's possibilities. I mean, this is the most movement they've ever made. So, well, so maybe I think this, this is. This is going to amount to something in the end because the pressure too, is too big. And the problem isn't going to be on this generation, as you hinted at. Like, this generation is kind of done. They've won it. Uh, but it's not for this generation. If they lose enough goodwill, and they certainly can, then the next generation might be a problem. They, they, it's just around the corner. It's just in just a couple of years. And if you're uh, thinking, if the narrative that gets installed in the public consciousness is, well, the Sony console is the one that you can't use with your friends, where the other ones, especially with Microsoft and, and Nintendo leaning on this thing very heavily with an ad where you can see them doing some co-branding around Minecraft, where they say, well, we can play together. You have a Switch. I have a an Xbox. Let's play yeah. together because we're friends. So they could install that narrative. Um, yeah. So I think Sony actually came back uh, through the voice of Sean Layden um, and mentioned, well, we're looking at it. And I think this is a signal. Now they have to say something you know they have yeah, to change something uh, after the yeah. the initial really embarrassing statement which was essentially 
Nothing to see here. Move along. We'll wait until it dies out. And of course, it hasn't died out. Um, they have come back and said, we're looking at it. It has a lot of moving uh, pieces, so we can't just do it really quickly. But we're looking at it and we're listening. Now they have to do something. And I think they will because they understand, hopefully, that this could put the next generation in jeopardy. So we'll yeah, see what they do. Aren't. But um, Definitely not tech reasons. It is absolutely 100%. Of course. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, business Policy. reasons. Yeah. Yeah, it's policy and it affects other games and other stuff. So they, you know, there's a knock-on effect they have to consider. I don't, I don't really fault them for taking time or figuring out what they're going to do, but they definitely need to get out in front of it, communicate with their fans, don't make reductive statements that make gamers feel stupid. Like one of the things that um, that I've noticed here is like that Minecraft ad between um, uh, Microsoft and Nintendo ended up <laughs> coming across to me as an excuse to. Say yeah. Also Fortnite, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I no, mean. Exactly. It was basically this united front weirdness that you'd never see from two companies like that. And not only that, I don't even think this affects percentage-wise that many people. I mean, it is the world's biggest game right now, but I don't think there's that many people who are like, "Well, I'm going to be off my PlayStation for a while, so I'm going to be playing over here on my Switch." There are certainly people like that, but there aren't a ton. What's happening is the gaming audience as a whole is rallying behind this, whether they have that dual console. Fortnite need or not uh and that's the problem sony has is this is like a bigger philosophical business issue that they yeah. they just have to solve or else they're gonna this the blowback will not stop this is where the uh the the goodwill effect comes into well effect uh the the brand's goodwill is very much can be very much eroded by this and even if you're not directly impacted by it i'll just as a a conclusion i'll read the initial statement uh they made uh, a part of it at least with more than 80 million monthly active users on playstation network we've built a huge community of gamers who can play together on fortnite and all online titles we also offer fortnite cross-play support with pc mac ios and android devices expanding the opportunity for Fortnite fans on PS4 to play with even more gamers on other platforms. Well, thank you very much. You did not address the specific question that was a problem here. And the end of it is what kills me. We have nothing further to add beyond this at this point. This is, excuse my French, the PR way of giving you the finger if I've ever read anything. We have nothing further to add beyond this at this point. Yeah, discussion over we don't yeah. want to talk about it anymore goodbye this is tone deaf as it can be yeah i don't like it there's nothing about that i like um yeah. really bums me out because i'm very happy with my playstation i think this has been a strong yeah has it been a strong generation for them all this stuff this stuff oh, just they, kind they'd of they've been killing sometimes. it yeah they, they really have and 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 i'm like i said before i'm very excited about the games they have in the next year and a half or so and you know, like there's no reason for this. It's just a little on the silly side. And there's a model for how to fix it. You know, either, I mean, just don't don't say that you can't have some other ID tied to it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Like, the the you're, minimum you're they should do is disable the locking. But, you know, the thing is that it has a knock-on effect. If you enable other IDs to be uh, linked to the Fortnite account for Nintendo, for example, that means essentially what you're doing is enabling cross-progression. So the progress, the progress you make on another platform, you can use it on your PlayStation as well. And when that is enabled, you know, purchases and progression and uh, leveling and all of that, once that is enabled... Uh, 
not enabling cross-play is really just a deterrent to your platform. It, it, it turns what can arguably, if you really want to uh, be described as a competitive advantage because you have the dominant platform, it turns it into a competitive disadvantage because you keep the leveling, but you can't play with your friends. So then you push people to go play on other consoles because they want to play with their friends. So I understand why they, they're not doing it. I think ultimately the minimum they're going to have to enable is that ID thing, which means cross-progression, cross-leveling. Uh, but then it, they kind of have to do cross-play as well. Otherwise, they're, they're really shooting themselves in the foot. So we'll have to see how it goes. But um, it's yeah, certainly it, a big problem basic, for them. Basically, it's just... Uh, well, you, you've said it all. The bottom line is it's just so weirdly tone-deaf and disconnected. And also, they're stuck also, in... This, this, this is the way the industry's going. Like, that's the exactly. other thing. This is just not paying attention to what the trend is in a major way. Like this is a major trend toward multi-platform, one account, play anywhere kind of mentality. They, I know that's antithetical to the way the console business and their sort of walled gardens have worked in the past, but they have to figure out a way to, to ride that ride. Or Absolutely. Else they, well, I mean, they're stuck in the thinking from, you know, it's not even that long ago, two years ago when this kind of questions, uh, these kinds of questions started getting asked with things like Rocket League or others. It was kind of still, you could understand why they, or, or you can understand that they could hold the line, but even now, two years later, one year later, it's not possible anymore. And that's how it was kind of a confluence of, of events and, and context that made it so controversial. So yep. anyway, yep. this is the PlayStation crossplay issue. We'll have to wait and see how it resolves. Uh, the other thing we wanted to talk about is battle passes. What are they? Because everyone wants theirs. Uh, Battle Pass is the business model of Fortnite. There have been other things in the past, not exactly the same, but similar in uh, MOBAs especially. But um, Fortnite has sort of formalized this uh, version and now... PlayerUnknown's Battleground, Rocket League, and probably others are implementing this way of supporting this uh, infinite game, game as a service, in in what seems to be contrary to the um, to the loot boxes, uh, which got into a huge controversy last year, and even additional content like DLC and season passes and things like that, this is, seems to be very much accepted by the community. So let's describe how it works. What you do is that you have different seasons for your game every two months or every two months or different events every two months or stuff like that. And you uh, include a number of items and rewards in a uh, battle pass that you have to pay for um, that unlock those rewards. So basically, when you play the game, you gain experience and progression. And at a number of steps throughout that progression, you unlock uh, cosmetic skins and different items that don't affect the gameplay. Um, and in order to access those, you need to pay the battle pass that is going to be about 10 bucks. So if you boil it down to its core components... Um, you have an optional uh, in-game purchase that is renewed every two months or so, two or two and a half months. And um, that in-game purchase allows you to then, when you play the game, it allows you to unlock those 
cosmetic items. Um, yeah, it's basically a poor man's subscription. And by that, I mean you're not exactly. really subscribing, but you kind of are, and you, you can not do it anytime you want, so there's nothing to cancel. So it's it's differing in that way, but if you're devoted to it, you're paying a subscription. That's what you're doing. And that's interesting because that's exactly where my mind went as well, because if this is your game, you're going to be paying 10 bucks every two and a half months. This essentially comes down to a little bit under five bucks a month. If any yeah. game was proposing this kind of business model of five bucks a month uh, to keep getting the new content, the community would be up in arms, I think. You know, when I really, in, in if you're playing the game a lot, it seems like a very reasonable um, amount to pay if you're getting new content regularly, which those games do bring. Um, but the way they're presenting it, the way you present stuff is so important because now it's a battle pass. It's not a subscription. So it's fine. No one's angry about it. Actually, everyone's welcoming it as a much better subscription, uh, a much better monetization model than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I actually kind of like it because um, this idea that I could plop down ten bucks and have it seem like it's actually going further. So it's not just thirty days; it's longer in most cases. Uh, at least the current implementations I've seen of this thing. And uh, I go in there, I get the benefits of it, I enjoy it. Then things get busy, and I'm like, well, I can't play for a couple of months. I'm not paying something I don't mean to be paying. I only do it when I want to do it, and that's good. Um, this probably already existed with a different name in different games, but it's so come to prominence given Fortnite's domination and everybody else going, oh, wait, there's a new way to monetize video games. We should be doing that as well. And I'm starting to see this crop up in mobile already. Um, lots and lots of places, uh, lots of different kind of games saying, hey, Battle Pass, here's an alternative. I wouldn't mind seeing something to that effect um, show up in MMOs. It's not going to show up in, you know, World of Warcraft, but I wouldn't mind seeing it in ESO or or possibly Guild Wars 2 or some of these other MMOs that continue to be strong and do well um, that are otherwise buy and then play. There's no monthly fee. Give us additional ways of, of supporting the game and getting cool stuff by having some sort of battle pass. Like, I really have no problem with this. I think it's it gives players a lot of choice and um, doesn't feel restrictive to me. And I don't know. I think it's... This is one of the weird evolutions of of um, micro paying that is working for me. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's definitely the the best model we've seen so far. It seems like the most fair. Uh, maybe if we hadn't gone through everything in the past, people would be angry at this as well. But I think there are that would be a little bit unreasonable. If you really want to be uh, contrarian, I think there are a couple of things you might want to say. For example, it, I mean, it's very clever. It's only cos cosmetics, which is great, uh, but it does entice you to play more because you don't unlock items outright. You unlock a chance, not a chance, but you unlock the path to get those items through your progression if you keep playing the game. So you're kind of investing in it and then you want to keep playing because, well, you've paid for it and you have to get those items that you're going to unlock after having played 20 hours, right? So there, there are also, of course, ways of buy, to buy um, in-game items and cosmetic stuff outright, but they're quite expensive usually. Uh, and the one thing I would say is that a loot box model, if it's well done, um, like the one in Overwatch, which I play a lot, is allows you to get the benefits of those things without having to pay for anything. In the Battle Pass model, you have to pay if you want those skins. In Overwatch, I play a lot, admittedly, and 
full disclosure i used to wait to play for, uh, to play i used to work for blizzard <laughs> entertainment <laughs> so the, for blizzard. <laughs> yeah it's kind of the same thing um so you know i might be a little bit biased but in overwatch it's especially well implemented so i don't mind the the loot boxes system so much but i can understand why some people do um but yeah, overall, these are nitpicks. It's really a system that seems the most fair, that seems like it does support the developer in a way that is, as I said, fair for the, um, for the uh, uh, players. And even some people play so much that they manage to purchase the first battle pass and then get enough in-game currency through the progression and playing to purchase the next one uh, with their in-game currency so they don't have to pay too much. So it seems like that implementation is really uh, the best one. And it's bringing in so much money. I mean, uh, Sensor Tower, which is an analysis firm, uh, estimated that uh, Fortnite Epic uh, got $100 million on iOS alone over the first 90 days. A hundred million dollars, and um, there's another analysis that uh, says some regular gamers, some regular uh, players. That anal- the the study was by uh, Lend Edu. Um, it, they asked a thousand players who frequently play the game, so there are people who are engaged in the game, um, how uh, how they were um, relating to the paid content, and 69% of them said they had made in-game purchases. 69% monetization of your player base. That is insane. Yeah. What's more, those players said they spent on average 18, 85 bucks this is an amount of monetization that is eye-popping. I think anyone would be, <laughs> you know, lucky here's, to have that amount. Here's of, what's uh, impressive by it. Here's what's impressive about it. it and and it's, it speaks to a design choice that they may or may not have done on purpose, but it worked out this way. Uh, something like PUBG, which is a different animal because you're not, you, you know, you buy that game outright. Now you can, you know, make micro purchases for getting additional clothes and all that stuff in that game. But, the cosmetics in that game are just like new shirt. Uh, here's a hat. Like it's not really. They're not blowing your mind over there on PUBG. But what they're doing well, with the Fortnite, game is re- is re- quote unquote realistic. So it's difficult to make some crazy things. Right, right. Even if you go a little silly, you just look like a normal guy with a silly hat. You know, it's right. like they can't go too crazy. Over in Fortnite, you've got this very stylized approach, which affords them the ability and option to go. What if we made just like a full blown uh hazmat suit great perfect boom and people go oh, i'm buying that pass okay i gotta get it i gotta get it. like they've really cornered that and in a way percentage wise that defies the point that it's a big deal that the game's so huge but i also think the percentage of adoption of people spending money says a lot about the the design and the choices they're making with what they're putting in the game for purchase it's it's Absolutely. really good they've done a great job and again i cannot stress enough how dead in the water this thing seemed in like 2013, 2014. <laughs> well, it it, to be fair, it wasn't even the same game. I mean, they've come out since and said, well, we've always envisioned Fortnite to be a modular kind of engine that could allow us to pivot if we needed. I, I guess they did because they created the Battle Royale portion of the game in a very short time. But still, it, it, it seems like they they really, you know, got something uh, there was a, there's always a lot of luck involved in those uh success stories but 
it's not just luck, of course. You, you yeah. have to have talented people behind it. Oh, yeah. And the Epics, you know, they've been around. They know of what course. they're doing. And they made, a, they made a, there was a really important meeting. I would have loved to have been there in that office <laughs> when somebody said, all right, let's start working on this engine. Let's make it do what we need it to do. Uh, we're going to go this battle royale thing. We've got to grab this now. This is bigger than PUBG. Somebody somewhere said that in a, in a conference room. And everybody's fortunes changed based yeah. on that night. That's Let's say that they'll deserve their yearly bonus when it comes around. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. Even just the iOS guy, even whoever's in charge of that port should walk away <laughs> with a very pretty penny. And, uh, and I expect uh, Scott will go and get that uh, battle pass to get the latest ninja costume that is uh, available in Fortnite. No, I mean, I no, not. you won't. I, I, I'm not a big <laughs> Fortnite guy either. But um, I mean, to be fair, um, they you said Epic, they've been around and they are supporting the game like nobody's business. They're, they're yeah. really doing incredible like events and special things. And it's uh, they're they're managing the community uh, very, very effectively. It's a very clever um, design. Yeah, there. It's a big, fascinating thing. And that's where I'm most interested in. I really don't like playing it per se. There's a, there's a, I enjoy occasional PUBG and there's some, there's a mobile game called Battlelands Royale, <laughs> which I know you hear that. Just go, Scott, come on mobile. What are you doing? Um, it's really good. It's my favorite. It's my favorite uh, of the, of the battle Royale genre right now. And they even have a battle pass. It's like four bucks or something, but hmm. Um, it's this top-down dual sticky kind of thing. It's uh, perfect for mobile, actually, because I, I don't really like third-person or first-person shooters on a mobile platform. The way things control, so I think there's room for that genre to grow. And I'm I'm more interested in weird implementations than I am this standard shooter thing. And we'll get so, many, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm sick of building stuff. Is the other thing Fortnite? I hate the building aspect. Yeah, the building aspect is a little bit of a turnoff. It bites me right in the cheese. You should have a mode where that doesn't exist in the game. And maybe the game's no fun there. I don't know. But whatever. They, they, it's, but I'm happy that it exists as a, as a phenomenon because it's really fun to be on the outside sort of looking at it, studying it, seeing what, how it would impact the rest of the industry. It's, it's been fascinating. Yeah. Um, well, there's. Uh, if you want to hear more about the Fortnite craze, you can go back and listen to DZNS Labs episode 7, which uh, we recorded back in May, towards the end of May, was the 24th. Um, it was a discussion with a class of uh, four graders, fifth graders, something like that. Uh, Mr. Darling uh, got his class to talk to us about uh, their approach to gaming. It was really interesting. I would encourage you to go listen to that. Uh, that's going to be the end of our show. But before we leave, the Steam sales are going on for another couple of days. Uh, what excellent games would you recommend people uh, check out on Steam, for example, or you know other places as well uh, for for this uh, sales season, Scott? Well, I picked up two games. I should have picked up more than two, <laughs> but um, these are the two that I was very interested in getting my hands on. One of them, I just. It was just a matter of getting it eventually. I just knew I would. Part of it was because you had raved so so much about Celeste, um, which you played on the Switch, I believe. Yeah, such an amazing game. So do you like it? uh, So it's installed and ready to play, but I haven't actually cracked it. I got it yesterday. Uh, So I will play it today. I'm very excited, though. And I've heard, I mean, everybody raves. The, The reviews on Steam alone are, you know, it's ridiculous. It's like the best you can be in Steam. There's no... 
I, I don't think there's a higher rated game at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously you were onto something, and everything you said about it got me real curious. Plus, I really liked Towerfall. I think these, this developer's cool, and I like what they do. So there's like 20 reasons to get in, and no reason not to. And now that the thing is only 15 bucks, it, it was just like a no brainer. It's like, yeah, of course I'm getting this. So I finally picked it up. Thank you for the for the corrected spelling. Um, and uh, so I'm going to be playing that. But the one I the other one I did get and have spent some time in uh, since the sale started was Endless Space Two. I was a huge fan of the 4X strategy title Endless Space. It came out a few years ago. Uh, really strong initial showing for kind of a space based civilization sort of approach uh, kind of 4X game. And Endless Space Two is. Uh, more of that, plus a bunch of great new stuff, plus a really, really pretty engine, um, and I really like it. I think Endless Space 2 is 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 rad. Uh, so I picked that up uh, on the cheap, and I think it was only like, oh gosh, like ten bucks. I can't. I don't know if it's still up there for that much, but it was super inexpensive. Big, big percentage drop for the sale, and I grabbed that, and that one's awesome. So if you're looking for like a sit there and play a space game for hours and forget your own name and what day it is. That's a, that's a real good one. Uh, Excellent. For that. Cool. Uh, on my end, I will recommend two games as well. Uh, Opus, Opus Magnum, Opus Magnum, um, which is a super weird game. It's basically a, a building your own machine to change elements into one another. It's really building a machine. You have uh, arms that move around, cycles that you're going to program into the arms. Um, it's basically a board, and you place elements on the board, and then the arms will move things. And it's very strange, kind of a puzzle game more than a, um, a, a building game, but really captivating uh you can all it's relatively possible to find a solution but then you might want to optimize your machine for cost or space used or number of cycles um it's a weird game which i think there's nothing really quite like it so i would recommend you check it out and um have you ever played opus magnum I have not, but it's te- that was tempting me. Now I'm now you've got me thinking. Yeah, I think about. you should get it. I think you'd like it. It's it's a bit okay. of a mind bender, but I think you'd like it. Uh, I've got and then, the second game you picked up. I own and have for a very long time, and I cannot wait to think, hear what you think of Dead Cells. Well, yeah, Dead Cells is another one. We might have mentioned it before on the show. Uh, I think it's still early access for a couple more weeks, um, but it is a Metroidvania roguelike uh, with a very enticing uh, graphical style which is like 3d pixels kind of it's very artistically enticing it is really interesting from a gameplay perspective not the easiest game in the world i wouldn't necessarily recommend it to any gamer but it is uh, charming it's charming in everything it does so i would also recommend dead cells if you are interested in that kind of game. Oh, man it's like metroidvania but so roguelikey it it just it was. Uh, it's one of these games. I just feel like they made it for me. It's everything about it. I love it. I love it. And it's really evolved over time. I've played it since very early alpha. Continue to enjoy it. The updates have been quick and fast. They seem to really be interested in that. And they've got a Switch version on the way. Very, very into Dead Cells. People should play that game. Mm-hmm. And actually, Celeste and Dead Cells... Well, Celeste is already available on Switch. Uh, Dead Cells will be soon. I think it's within a few weeks. So that actually might be the preferred platform if you own a, a Nintendo Switch. Because, of course, you can play them 
on uh, the TV and they're not too graphically intensive for uh, the power of the Switch or when you're moving around and both games are really good for short sessions. So um, Yeah, put it in bed, never go to sleep. Exactly. <laughs> Well, that's going to be it for the show today. Scott, can you tell us uh, where we can find more of your stuff? Yeah, uh, if you like video game talk and you're looking for uh, a fine companion piece to what is Patrick's show called Pixels, you can check out my show (laughs) called Boop, B-O-O-P. It's uh, over here on the Frog Pants Network at frogpants.com slash B-O-O-P. Myself and Brian Dunaway break down some news each week as well as talk about the games we're playing. In fact, we focus mainly on on all the weird stuff we play all week. And um, we've really found a fun groove with that show. So if you're interested in such things, you can find that over there at frogpants.com along with everything else I do. And you can follow my ramblings on Twitter at Scott Johnson. And for me, it's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm not Patrick. And of course, as Scott mentioned, Pixels is the show you want to be listening to. If you want uh, news from the industry and analysis and uh, intelligent conversation, not that, you and Brian don't have intelligent conversation on Boop, uh, but more intelligent conversation. Just uh, go and search for Pixels on your podcast app right now, and you'll find that uh, that show. I hope you enjoy it as well. And of course, we have to thank the DTNS listeners, and especially the DTNS patrons and all of those who support the show, because the DTNS labs uh, only happen because of your support so uh thank you very much for doing that we hope you enjoy the games edition of dtns labs if you do please do let tom know and uh it's kind of like a um, sponsor of the show not really but uh, you know uh if you, if you enjoy it we will keep doing it so do let us know thanks very much for listening and we'll be back hopefully next month ish with another episode talk to you then bye bye of the frog pants network get more at frogpants.com diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this broker <laughs> planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.